Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emma Man. Please do rate, review, subscribe, and on YouTube, like, and give us the old thumbs up and subscribe there as well. Joining me today is Aman. Hello, Aman. Hello. How we doing? How's your December going? You know what? The Raptors are winning, so I'm feeling good. I hate to admit that I'm an adult whose mood changes based off of Raptors play, (laughs) but it's 28 years of this so far, 26. Jesus, so you've been you've been through it already <laughs> for many years. Oh in diapers, feeling feeling the heat off after, after that loss in 1998. Wow, I can't I can't believe you're finally here. You must have been on cloud nine during that championship. Holy, where were you? Um, so night of, I literally went out. We went out driving, and it was so much like night parade sucked. Night of was literally the most fun night ever. I probably stayed out till like five o'clock. I don't think, I think I came home at like five in the morning. It was <laughs> the most exciting and most fun time. So I need the Raptors to do that again. Yeah, I think that's the goal. I think they're on, <laughs> I think that's the goal. They're building. I love Masai when he says that we're building again. Makes, gives me so much hope and uh, belief that's going to happen sooner than later. Obviously winning two games in a row is a good start. To getting back to an NBA championship. They haven't done that since late October. So what we're going to discuss is some of the pleasant surprises from the past few games. We're going to do some over-unders. Um, we'll look at the OKC game that's coming up tomorrow. And But first, let's talk about, um, well, like this possibility. So it was announced today by Sean's that apparently the Indiana Pacers are on a fire sale and they are making Karis LeVert available, DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner. They're all available via trade of some sort and so i wonder aman what are your thoughts on that because they do have a particular player hanging out in slovenia at the moment who obviously is not part of the future of this franchise and that's made somewhat clear over the some of the recent moves so do you think there's something there i'll I'll outline now just so everyone knows that all three of the players are under contract next year and then demato sabonis is the one who's available or uh, under contract for two more years all of them around are around the 18 million to 19 million dollar range and goran Dragic, on the other hand he is 19 million dollars obviously you're not going to do a straight up trade between those two players because why would the pacers do that they're looking for some sort of prospect in return but anyways uh i'm on your thoughts I think you just said it right there. There's the Pacers are not just going to take Goron. So it's wondering what they're going to take because all of the players that you just mentioned, anyone that the Raptors want to get, there's a market for them. There is a market uh-huh. for Miles Turner. There is a market for DeMontis Sabonis. There's a market for Karis LeVert. Now, I would love to have someone like Karis to score off the bench. I think Raptor fans have been going on and on about wanting to have a center. Um, I think where the Raptors are at right now, and from a size that, you know, I made a joke about like my mood changing with the, the way that the Raptors play. But in reality, I recognize that they're building towards something. And I think we all do here. So a trade 
to help you win some more games in December is not necessarily like the Raptors are not looking for a quick fix. They're not looking for something sure. that's going to exist right now. It's going to be a long-term fix. What can help you actually win a championship down the line, right? Um, and I don't know that you can get Miles Turner without giving up a guy like Pascal Siakam. And what's the point in doing that, right? Like, mm-hmm. where are you capping yourself at? Why are you making yourself like worse? um um, it it doesn't quite make the most sense to me I also think a lot of the Raptors struggles right now is because they're not very deep and when one guy goes down they really do struggle I think right now a lot of the struggles that we're seeing and just playing around with the numbers and being on NBA.com it's really easy to see when Ken is out how much that rebounding rate is affected when OG is out how much of their score like defensively he's the best defender on the team he is um, just was averaging 20 points a game before he went out. Like so much of this is impacted by the Raptors injuries right now. Why are you going to make a four for one trade? Why are you giving up multiple guys to get one other player when right now you, you can't lose a body battle in a no. trade? Um, so that's something that the Raptors can't do. Also, they can't make sort of minimal trades or trades on the, around the fringes. That's something that Brian Colangelo did. And I just mentioned just being a fan for this team for a long time. And I saw that. I saw what trading for Sean Marion did or Jermaine O'Neal or any of that stuff. And it was useless. And all it did was make you too good to get Stephen Curry in the draft, but also yeah. too bad to make the playoffs. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for a long-term fit. Now, Masai Jury is a trade genius and has the ability to get deals that we just don't see. So if you can find a way to get Miles Turner without giving up anything and you can pair him alongside the Pascal Siakams and the Ojean and Ovis, sure, but I just don't know why the Pacers would make any of those moves. I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I do agree with you. Like We're going to talk about it in a second, but they do have um, a bit of excess at the backup point guard position. So there are two players, Malachi Flynn, Delano Banton, two players who are kind of fighting over who's going to be the backup for now. But at the same time, is that enough for the Pacers to want to make a trade like that? Probably not. They're going to be looking for a top round, uh, a, probably a top kind of top pick, uh, some sort of high-end draft pick. They're probably looking at a team that isn't that great right now that's willing to take on all this salary because they're just tanking their seasons. Speaking of the OKC Thunder, the Raptors play them tomorrow. Um, so I don't really see how a fit it really happens here. And also with the Raptors, like if they're indeed trying to build and they want to build with this core, like next season seems like a year where they could potentially try and go for it if they really wanted to, but it's not this season. And yeah. you got to give this these players a bit of a stretch. Like we just talked about, like they've been injured nonstop. It's, if it wasn't Pascal, it was OG. If it wasn't OG, it was Ken. It's been this like rotating door of players not available to uh, to Nick Nurse and his and his staff. So with that all in mind, like they don't really know what they have yet. And we're going again, we're going to get into it now. But we're finally starting to see what this team is capable of to some degree with Cam out. And now you have players getting put into a position where um, they got to play up right? And they're being given a lot more minutes than they're used to, and they're actually starting to succeed. And so you got to just give this more time. You got to give more time. Um, there's, they're building something here. You want to give Precious more time too, to get some playing time because he's been terrific over the past few days. Like you just don't know what you have with this team yet. So how are you going to go and get Miles Turner or Sabonis or Levert? You don't know what you need. Uh, uh, yes exactly that and I think also there's this notion that like what you need is a center like that's what people will probably their automatic response would be and I think that that's just a lazy way to look at it I understand that we're looking at the Raptors and we're like they're getting killed on the glass 
Um, and they're getting killed by like a Montrez Harrell first game of the season, I think is like the perfect sort of example of that. But I think a Miles Turner is like putting a Band-Aid on a wound without actually taking into account like what the wound is, right? <laughs> that wound that you think is this massive hole for this team is actually there by design, right? Like the Raptors, and I, I wrote this article, gonna plug it right now, wrote it a couple of weeks ago. And it's about what the Raptors and what the Cavaliers are doing. The Cavaliers are doing it in a different way than the Raptors, but it's still a similar idea. The Raptors are playing this aggressive style of defense, which we're seeing starting to work. Surprise, surprise, if you have some practices um, and guys start to get healthy, things look better for the team. But yeah. it is by design, right? And when we talk about why did why did Masai Ujiri draft Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs, and we look at the build of a Scotty Barnes, it's because he fits into the design of the Raptors. And what that is, it's a very aggressive style of defense. They blitz a lot, they switch a lot. And it's about having the length, the wingspan, the leg span to cover as much ground on the court as possible so that you can play that style of defense without giving up so mm. many corner threes and you know yeah you're not going to have a traditional rim protector a la miles turner but you don't necessarily need one when when the raptors vision is actualized now watching games in december 2021 the vision is not actualized because we've only seen these guys play together for such a small amount of time but yeah. masai ujiri's goal is not to win a championship tomorrow but to win one down the line and this is his vision so i think we need to see it through before we start looking for quick fixes and band-aids that don't actually cover a hole because it's not really a hole it's, mm -hmm. it's by design um so that's just something that i want people to like be a little bit patient with and and just wait a little bit um but I understand wanting to get Miles Turner if he's available and you can get him for cheap do it if you can't it's fine yeah and also just seeing like that 19 million dollar cap hit on the Raptors and that it's not really being used right now with Goran Dragic you're the the thinking is that all right let's get rid of it let's get something for it. let's go 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 and yeah. that's just not the reality like they have a starting lineup that they really want to give a chance to we don't know if it's yeah. going to work out right like they want to see what this looks like when you have og and pascal and scotty all out there and just give them a chance to get acclimated to each other give them a chance to really start understanding the coverages and learning how to feed off each other and we just haven't seen it enough yet and then at that point we know yeah. that Masai is a patient man he's going to give he, he believes in this, yeah he believes in this vision Remember him, like, after you made the Kawhi Leonard trade, he's like, yo, just so you guys know, like, I gave DeMar and Dwayne, like, I gave them a chance. I gave them many years, and he's going to, he believes in this. I think Bobby does too, Nick does, and they're they're invested in in this idea, in this idea that they can pull this off. And so they're going to give this time. And also, Precious Achua, like, we cannot forget about him. We're going to talk about him in a second. But his growth over even just the past few weeks, like, it has been tremendous. And he was already set, and I don't want to get into all this right now because we we're going to talk about him. Ah, forget it. We'll get into it. Anything else on anything else on this uh, possibility? Overall, see the vision, but unless you're giving up nothing for Miles Turner, probably not a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's here's what I'll say. Just like yeah. someone who's been scarred, wins in December matter so much less than wins in June. Don't risk doing anything now. Just be patient with it. Masai Ujiri has made midseason trades. He did it for Marcus Ole. He did it for PJ Tucker and Serge Ibaka. He does it when the team, in his opinion, has a chance to win a title. He's not going to do it um, unless he gets a super great deal when you're gunning for the eighth seed. Yeah. And when you see him do that trade, that's when you should think like, oh, oh, he thinks Panic. he's got something here. Or, yes, or 
that's one option or is that he thinks he's got something and so that's when he, he's gonna make a trade for a pj tucker or a marcus all or whoever but yes over these past few games um i'm gonna say the past three even though they lost the first game against memphis but their defense has dramatically improved you mentioned uh, the, the practice that has been able to and they've been able to do over the past few games or past few weeks because they've had a lot of games in Toronto and that's going to proceed for most of the month. But let's get into some of the plenty, the surprises that we've seen. I guess not surprises because we were hoping that this would happen, but some of the things have been very encouraging. And I'll throw it to you if you have anything you really want to start off with. I got a couple here, but I'll uh, I'll let you go first. With some of the surprises? Um, yeah. Uh, so... I think it's just the defense coming together in the way that it does. I wish I had the the corner threes number here, but it just eye test wise, it doesn't feel like they're giving up as many. Mm. Um, it also feels like they're guarding just that Warriors game. Oh my gosh, I'm still scarred. I'm still scarred by that Warriors and the and the Blazers performance, which also they've got some drama there too, not just the Pacers. But um, <laughs> yeah, they do. so. <laughs> Um, I, I think what's been a pleasant surprise that I, I can't keep singing his praises enough and it's Utah Watanabe. Like, yeah. I'm just such a fan of Utah's. He is so, he plays with so much heart and so much intensity and so much like it's, and I can't say this enough about all of the guys. Like, I think that's, that's the Raptors mold when we're talking about the type of players that really fit in. It's yeah, it's guys that are long, six, nine. Yes. It's guys with long wingspans. Yes. But it's also yeah, guys yeah. who play with such hustle and such heart. He comes in and completely changes the game. Like it's no surprise to me that the defensive rating has just shot up since he's been here. And I have some of the numbers, but I know we're going to be going over this in just a little bit. So um, I'll let you go with some of your surprises and, and maybe touch on those as well. No, that's, that's terrific though. I think that is a really good start. I mean, over the past three games there, they had the third or fourth best defensive rating, which which is a great start. Um, I guess we'll pivot right to Nick Nurse because I've been I've been happy with what he's done, and we have to give him credit. Like I was one of the people who was like, you know, is this is this aggressive style really what they should be doing? And it it turns out it was more so that they really weren't executing the game plans right. And I'm not sure how many times I've heard Pascal and Fred and Nick say like, yeah, they we just didn't execute the game plan. We didn't execute the game plan, and they weren't talking about themselves necessarily. They were talking about as a team, they did not execute it. And this, you know, this is just a thing. Like they needed time to, <laughs> yeah, they needed time to, to get this figured out. And uh, probably I was a little bit impatient. A lot of us were a little bit impatient over the past few games, like <laughs> or over the past few press conferences. Pascal one time he's like, well, I've never practiced this much in my entire NBA career. And then Chris Boucher was like, oh, he was asked, oh, why is the defense so much better? He's like, that's literally all we do in practice right now. All we're doing is working on defense. So if you were curious about the intentions of the Toronto Raptors this year, if they were really trying to make a playoff spot, if they wanted to get in that top six, I guess there you go. They do want to get back in the playoffs. They want to be in the top six. They want to avoid the play-in tournament. Um, and that's kind of the goal right now. And with Nick, I've seen some innovation with his with his offense. I've been really encouraged by, by that too. We're seeing more creativity. Like I think over the past few seasons, it just seemed like it was a lot of high pick and rolls. And then you have cutters going around and then they'd kind of see if that anything worked out there. And if it didn't, then they're just kind of doing it again. And Nick said him too, some, sometimes that, you know, if the first time the high pick and roll doesn't work, let's, you know, swing the ball and let's try it over there. I'm like, okay, cool. So how many times do we do this, Nick? Is that a good idea? But to his credit, I think we've seen some innovation. We're seeing more like more decoys, more deception. Uh, Scotty Barnes loves, loves doing those fake dribble handoffs. We're seeing big slip to the basket. Chris Boucher was uh, pretty great at that the other day. 
So I've enjoyed that. And uh, they're doing a lot more create. It's more creative, more creativity. They're finding ways to get players open and especially in games, like they're not kind of beating their head over with a few, with the same plays over and over. I think of that uh, game against Milwaukee when Fred had that huge second half. And afterwards, Nick was saying, yeah, we ran some plays to get Fred open. And so they're running a bunch of uh, drag screens or a bunch of uh, double screens to get Fred around along the baseline to coming off um, some corners to hit some baseline threes. This is all good. This is how you win games in the NBA. And I appreciate him kind of digging into his, his bucket a little bit and trying things out. It's been great to see. Yeah, I would say like to, to me, it just the, the Raptors offense was kind of just I didn't, I didn't have very high expectations for it. And I think to your yeah. point, the creativity call, and, and it was surprising. Like the Raptors offense was not the issue to start the year. It was surprisingly their defense. They actually had a pretty good offensive rating. And to me, it's like, to, to your point about the creativity that comes with one practice. And it also comes with some of your guys just getting healthy again. It comes with mm. having Pascal Siakam back on the court. Um, and and I, I think it comes with guys having reps. Like we're seeing I, th- I think that just the growth that we're seeing from I, I, Fred is another guy that I just can't help but heap praise on. <laughs> so it's hard it's just, not to. But it, it's so hard not to, but just the growth that we're seeing from these guys on the court, and it's hard to think about veterans on the team and talk about their growth as well, but just mm-hmm. in, in trusting his teammates and getting on his teammates and his decision-making and how quickly he's able to react. I think you and I were doing a podcast earlier and we were talking about Fred Van Vliet. And I think that that was one of your points was that he's just not doing that as quickly as you wanted him to. And we're actually seeing that actually change um, yeah. and, and him becoming the main point guard and, and the leader of this team. I was hoping to not mention Fred Van Vliet because I feel like I just nonstop talk about him every single time, but he's, he's that good. So the idea was that we're going to do surprises. He is no longer a surprise. He is their team MVP. He's one of the best point guards in the NBA. Um, he's arguably a max player with the way he's playing right now. Case like case closed. That's what's happening. But I will say that I've enjoyed um, seeing him being used more as a screener because that was something they did a lot with Kyle and yeah. plays like that. It is such an easy way to just confuse the defense and also just create mismatches and the Raptors, they're going to feed off of mismatches and deception and decoys. Like I'd mentioned earlier and there he's, he's a player who's willing to do it. And also he's a good screener, which yeah. is something that <laughs> it's, it's a funny he's thing to talk ball. about. Yeah, he is right. Yeah. But also you, you yeah. have to be wanting to screen. You have to be willing to put your yeah. body there. And yeah. I mean, sometimes in a scouting report, you'd be like, oh, this guy's a great screener. It's like, oh, great. We have a great screener. But no, that is a valuable skill. Body position, girth, weight, yep. all matters. He came from the school of Lowry. Like, Fred Van Vliet is a point guard who came from the school of Kyle Lowry. But also, Fred is a screener there. That's having Pascal back. That's having, like, trusting Scotty a little bit more. That's like, yeah. the, the Raptors The Raptors roster just is, is built for this exact particular style of play. That's why you have the guys that you have. So I just want to say that because it's been frustrating listening to people talk about trading Pascal Siakam. I don't think you need to do that. I think it's ludicrous. The idea that they cannot play Pascal and Scotty together. They drafted Scotty to play him particularly alongside Pascal. This is the vision of the team. The lack of center was by design. That doesn't mean that you can't get one if one is cheap. It just Preach. means that what the Raptors oh. are doing right now is something that Masai Ujiri and Nick Nurse have clearly agreed on. We see it from the defensive principles that they play. We see it from that aggressive style that, yes, is a little, it, it makes 
makes us feel a little uncomfortable when we see all of those corner threes go in. And that's when the Raptors are just not closing out as hard as they need to and as quickly yep. as they need to. And when you have a rookie playing considerable amount of minutes who kind of messes up rotation someone. And if you have one guy mess up a rotation, especially when your team is playing as aggressively as they are, mm-hmm. that kind of ruins it for everybody else because your defense runs along a chain, right? So one guy breaks out, that kind of makes it difficult for everybody else. But once we start seeing it gelling, it can look so just masterful on both the offensive and the defensive end. Does that mean that they'll ever reach that level? I don't know. With these guys, maybe, hopefully, but that's definitely something that Masai Ujiri and Nick Nurse are going to try to do, just like they tried with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to see how far that team can go. It ended up not working with DeMar there, but the team that was built stayed intact. The vision that Masai Ujiri and Dwayne Casey and Nick Nurse had stayed intact. They just put in a, a, a superstar. I wish I could give you an SP right now. That was masterful. It's just like, it's frustrating. Yeah, to this. It's just like, guys, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's not like Trust my daughter right die. now. Trust it's not die. like my daughter right now. It's her, one of her things right now. She's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. She points at us when she's doing something wrong. We're like, calm down. She's like, it's fine, dad. It's fine. I'm like, thank you for calming me <laughs> down, go. even though you're the one doing something wrong. But you're absolutely right. Maybe it's a screen, it's a screen award. That's the, that's the Canadian one, screen award, whatever it is. That's a... Yeah, your speech right there is exactly what you should have got right there. Um, other thing on Fred is, he, you know, his alley passes are getting much better. That's a surprise, right? He's he's connected connected with uh, Precious over the past little while. About, okay, with Precious, I was like trying to remember an alley. Okay. He's got in that arc. The arc is there now, and he's timing it really nicely. That's something that I've encouraged. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you would boy. think that he would have the ability to do that. His shot is so high arcing. Like it touches it touches the cloud. It touches the heavens before it drops back down. Straight up, that shot he hit against the Wizards, uh, he, he got a kickout pass and he took a step back and he hit a, a three-pointer and yeah. the shot, I swear to God, hit the ceiling. Yeah. He hit the ceiling of Scotiabank <laughs> Arena and it so came right back down. Uh, it's special. You put touch on a few things there. Um, with Pascal Siakam, I guess that would be a natural pivot at the moment to what he's done over the past few games. And the pleasant surprise is that I think he's been so much more composed with his offense. Nick had mentioned that he talked to Pascal about doing more face up because he felt like, you know, he was backing players down. He didn't really know where a, where the set, where the, uh, the double was coming from, but B he was missing cutters. Like, okay, if you're able to, if you're, if you're screening or if you're posting up and maybe you see an off ball action, there's a player open. He makes that pass. Cool. That works. But it's that next pass when you get that soft double and you don't really realize that there's a cutter behind you or there's someone wide open along three point line. Those are the passes that he wasn't really seeing necessarily and to his credit, and I know this is the Washington Wizards. Pascal always cooks them. They don't have anyone to guard him. Kyle Kuzma ain't it. Hasn't been, never will be. And they're going to face a team tomorrow, OKC, where, again, for all you gamblers out there, probably the spread for the over-under for Pascal's points will be like 21.5, 22. Take the over, make some money. Exactly. But um, it's the composure. It's him realizing situations. It's his willingness to make the right pass. And also his mid-range game is so goddamn beautiful now. I love it. It's like, it's not that it's, he has a spin move, but now he's making his counter to someone stopping a spin move is he spins back around, hits a fadeaway jumper. Those fadeaway jumpers, like they make my heart smile. Honestly. Long time coming after all of those missed... Um, buzzer beaters. Long time coming. Long time coming. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everyone. <laughs> it didn't happen. It was it was a nightmare that we all just You're trying to relive pain. Jesus. Just going back to the ilk of the raptor of raptor players that we have currently are guys who can do a lot. And this is something that I think Precious Achua talked about, which was because Precious 
Precious is an interesting player and <laughs> not going to call Pascal Precious right now, but both guys just have the ability to do so many different things on the court that they sometimes get a little overwhelmed. And you see Pascal very mm. much in his head. He's very hard on himself. So I think in moments like that, it's a lot of the overthinking, him not seeing like him not seeing the, the cutter, him not seeing the right pass. I think that's a lot of Pascal getting in his head. You kind of see it. You know what Pascal's enjoying his game. He seems everything happens for him so easily and there's just like this fluidity to his game and then there's the herky-jerky Pascal that kind of gets yeah. in his head and you you can see both of those things happening right there and I think for one he hadn't played basketball in so long he was getting the swing of things too it's a completely different team that had it rolling before he came in and then were disastrous when he came in I'm sure that played on his mind heavily as well and him sure. just trying to find his groove back um being back in Toronto being back playing and all of that other stuff like and I think we're seeing it. We we saw it and we finally got to see it. And to your point, yeah, yeah, he destroys the Wizards because, yeah, they have no one to guard him. And, yeah, he hit his career high against them. But he also did that against the Jazz. Like, he was phenomenal against the Jazz in, pri in previous games. Um, and he was terrible against them earlier in the year. So I'm going to take the win <laughs> against the Wizards right now because Pascal's doing well against a team that can't guard him hasn't always been a definite. And also there's so few guys in the NBA who can guard Pascal, but you know what? It's going to be a lot of those teams who, who don't have anyone to guard him. Yeah, and I think that's important to keep in mind too that we're not, we're not just saying that we are going to be expecting Pascal to be averaging 25 points per game going out, going forward for the rest of the season because that's not realistic. We know he has limitations. I'm just encouraged by him being a better executor of offense and a better scorer in the mid-range area. And his three-point shot, he's shooting around 36%, I believe, right now, or over his last six, eight games. He's at 36%, field goal percentage, 49%. He's averaging 22 points per game, seven rebounds, three assists. Like these are still great numbers that we've seen over the past eight games. And hey, guess what? He is still getting himself back in shape. And actually one of the things that Scotty Barnes mentioned today is that, A, he mentioned that, that Pascal is his favorite player. I don't know if you guys saw the IG story that he posted the other day, but he said that he is his favorite player and it's because of how hard he works game in, game out, and also on off days. That is one of the things that has been Pascal's hallmarks is that he is a relentless worker. It doesn't matter if it's an off day or practice day. He could just chill. He could just be doing whatever the hell he wants to do because he's a rich man right now, but he is in the gym. First one there, last one to leave. He is working on his game because he wants to become, you know, that player that we all envision him to be. That is a number one option, like point blank, full stop. He wants to be that guy. He is working on it. And it's unfair to evaluate him after what, 11 games or whatever it is. We wouldn't evaluate, evaluate any player after 11 games. So let's talk in January, February, whatever. Let's see where Pascal is there. And I would not be surprised if he's a lot closer to the player that we envisioned him to be. Granted, I do think that he's probably going to be just a little bit more efficient, but maybe the numbers won't you know, be skyrocketing because the Raptors, like as we talked about, like they're a decent offensive team. They got a lot of weapons and it, it would be irresponsible if they didn't use all those weapons to their fullest potential because they could be scary on the offensive end straight up. They could absolutely be that team that is just damn near impossible to guard. Maybe not this season, but maybe it's next season. But as we talk about the Raptors building and having players that are under contract for the foreseeable future, this is a process and it would, it wouldn't, it doesn't do them any good just having Pascal go out there and just throw jump shots and just, you know, put 25 shots up per game. He could do it. And you know, some games he might put 50 up, right? It's possible. But once OG gets back, he deserves chances to, to, uh, to increase his game and to become a better scorer. Scotty Barnes, as we talked about, that's why Nick Nurse was saying, hey, I want Scotty to put seven threes up. 
right? Because this is all going to make them a better team. But Pascal, I've been very encouraged by what he's done uh, over the past few games. And I just hope that he just needs that performance, you know, that performance against a good team where he is a difference maker. He just needs one of those and people will get off his back. Hopefully that was a lot. Maybe I deserve a screen award too after that. You do. You both do. You do. Here's presenting yours. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I wish I had my, my championship ring. It's back there, actually. Yeah, mine um, is, I think mine is on my desk down there. Why don't I wear it all the time? I should do it all the time. Why, why do I wear a wedding, wedding ring? Just wear the championship ring. Um, you mentioned oh, Precious. There you go, right? The versatility of the championship ring can go anywhere. The wedding ring, not so much. Um, let's talk Precious. And uh, first off, I don't know if you guys saw the open gym segment, but Precious was introduced to bag milk. Um, and similar to Danny Green back in the day, Yahoo Sports inside green room, we had a handshake. He did the podcast with us and there was a viral segment where he discussed his confusion around bag milk and poor Precious had a very similar experience. He didn't understand why th there weren't jugs. He didn't understand why there would be a small carton used and he found the... <laughs> The cut the milk cutter that was on his fridge absolutely hilarious. Um, so did I. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I thought everybody used scissors. Or I mean, like, is that does that come with houses? Is that a thing? I didn't know that. I didn't come here. I didn't see it. I've never yeah. seen a milk cutter in my life. So I have not I either. Something new too. Fair okay. enough. And also, I thought like I was behind on something. I was like, what is this fancy <laughs> technology? Use scissors. <laughs> I've seen, yeah, I haven't seen one recently. And actually when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, those items still exist. But it was hysterical that it was on the fridge. Maybe Open Gym planted it so he could figure That's this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, his laugh afterwards was really funny. And also him understanding um, Canadian dollars and the currency and the cash. He's like, this is my first time playing cash, paying cash. Is this a toonie or a loony? How does it work? He had a five in his hand and he thought that was hilarious too anyways um i like the question about like what do you call 25 cents and they were like a quarter and he was like oh i thought there would be a funny name for it too <laughs> interesting choice with the whole milk though I, I didn't think nba players would be drinking whole milk i Maybe was like so surprised until he like took a sip and like tasted like whole milk and i was like whole milk and then i like mm. clicked the rewind button and i was like 3.25 like 3.25 percent that is, that is hefty milk. Um, I, yeah. I don't, I thought that, I thought it would be like cashew milk that he would be drinking with. That doesn't Almond milk. There's so many milks Almond out there. Milk. Yeah, there's soy like milk. Soy milk. There's, there's a, a, a lot of different milk. Oat milk. Oat milk is great. Uh, oh, that's very trendy right now. That's 20, that's 2022. That's going to be the milk of the future. That's what we're, everyone's going to drink is oat milk. I know. Um, um, and, but no, he's drinking whole milk um, like a baby from 1960. <laughs> I think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It just feels old. <laughs> well, I mean, to his credit, it seems to be helping him over the past little while. I mean, his, uh, he's had a bit of an up and down season, fair to say. But I think, and we'll get into a little bit of this with uh, Chris Boucher too, but I think guys are starting to understand what their roles are, roles are on the team, what their expectations are, and what their jobs are. That's one thing that uh, Doc Rivers, um, yeah, he's been criticized a lot since his that 2008 championship at the Celtics. He's like, oh, what, what, how good of a coach really is Doc Rivers? But he is 
always maintained that the first thing he does with any team that he gets on, he's like, I'm going to assign your roles. These are the four things that I want you to do. And I think to some degree that has benefited Precious and Chris Boucher a little bit too, is that they have a firm understanding of this is my, these are my responsibilities. These are the things that I, I got to do. I am not the person who is supposed to be, you know, I don't know, doing post-ups, um, hitting contested threes or shooting contested threes. That is not my responsibility. There are players on the Raptors who can do that for Van Vliet but it's not me. Um, but with Precious now, like we're starting to see this is athleticism. And when he plays with control, he can be an absolute force in the paint. And I've been encouraged by his awareness, his alert, how alert he is on both ends of the court. And now that he seems to understand what his job is, that is don't get in the way on offense, just sh- shoot open threes when you're open and also just con- contain the paint, be a, be a force in there. And like when a Bradley Beal or Spencer Dinwiddie gets switched on to him, like they're not exactly eating them, eating him, right? He is a tough person for any player to get by because he's so mobile and he's going to battle. And uh, I've been encouraged by what he's done. I think we're kind of starting to see um, probably the practice time has helped him a lot. I'm sure Ken Birch, although he's, his knee is swelling and it doesn't seem to be stopping from swelling. And Nick said today that he's out for the foreseeable future, which is so damn depressing, but it is good to see that he is kind of starting to figure this out because um, I mean, it, the opportunity is right there for him. This is a chance for him to get play a lot of minutes and be a huge factor for the Raptors for this season and going forward. And he's all, he's part of the plan. And if he's getting there that much faster then it's going to make the Raptors that much better earlier on. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, to the Nick Nurse point, what does that, Nick Nurse speaks, it's great that he does, it's an obligation to speak to the media, (laughs) love it, but, um, I, do we always believe, um, the, (laughs) choosing your words carefully, are we? Okay. I'm just saying, like, I, 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 like, it feels like, it feels like Nick Nurse exists to troll the media. Um, I feel like he gets a kick out of it. Um, but I, I, I'm hoping that that's the case because out for, like, out indefinitely is very scary, especially when it comes to something to do with his knees. And it's just, like, yeah, swelling yeah. that they don't quite understand. Like, that's very scary, especially for a team that needs Ken Burch. We're going to be talking about what their struggles have been rebounding. Mm. So, oh, that's, that's it. it Ken Birch, Ken Birch is not just there for just the, the rebounds. He is the anchor to this team's defense. They just look so sturdy with him mm-hmm. there. He's he's their sturdy guy. Uh, and I'll say credit to Chris Boucher because he did he did a fine job yesterday. Like I don't I don't remember Montrez destroying him in any minutes that they played against each other. Like it just felt like he handled yeah. his job. And to your point about Precious Tua, who we're talking about, and I just kind of derailed this conversation. Um, Precious defensively, I think has been great. I think that whole mill definitely helping him. He's sturdy, <laughs> definitely difficult to get by. Um, offensively, you need him to play within himself. I was looking through his numbers. My gosh, like, do you remember the conversations we were having last year just about Fred Van Vliet's finishing around the rim and just uh-huh. oh, how how difficult the do you like within his numbers, Fred Van Vliet and, and how how um scared we were by those numbers. Not that dissimilar to Precious Achua. And there's a foot of difference between both of those guys. <laughs> and so it's not great for a guard to not be able to finish around the rim. Precious Achua's inability to do so is still very troubling. 
Um, sure. so, so that's troubling. Um, I, I can't help but celebrate that game that he had against Memphis. I look, I don't know if we've done a pod since then. So I just want to say shout outs to you because that was an impeccable third quarter and he has looked better. Um, and I think he just needs to play within himself. He doesn't need to do too much. I've been a strong proponent of him getting some run with the nine oh five, but I guess the Raptors kind of need him. <laughs> so that's just not going to be a thing. Um, yeah. but he's looked good and he's developed with this team. And I think if you have the ability to do that and develop with the guys that are on the roster, no need to, to, to go to the 905. He is going to get the playing time. He's going to get the minutes. And you know what? He's looked better as of late. Um, it's not so egregious, but he's going to have times where he's young. He's going to have some times where he's a little frustrating, but um, he's been a pleasant surprise for sure. Speaking of one of those situations, the end of the Bucks game when Pat Connaughton had a wide open three and I was up in the air and I was looking at Precious um, afterwards, or like I was looking at the footage and he was just ball watching. And if that ball went a certain direction, Bobby Portis would have gotten the board and he would just got a layup out of it. And pressure would have been like, what happened? What, what, what? So a word of advice from a person who just watches basketball, doesn't play it, used to play in high school, but wasn't that good and played on the, was on the bench for most of the time. Um, end of games, you should box out someone precious. That's all. That's it. After that, it's all you. You got the rest. You can handle it. Just that was the situation. I'm just like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> that could have been so bad for you. Like he would have been the talking point. If they lost that game, there was oh a gosh. lot of reasons why they may have lost that game. Some of it officiating, but if they lost the game because he didn't box out Bobby Portis, that would have been bad. We'd still be talking about it. The whole Raptors Twitter would have been on fire. Uh, Twitter would have closed down. And yeah. Um, that was like the worst refing I've seen. It was terrible. It was atrocious. Um, on Chris Boucher, you mentioned him, been encouraged by him. He had a great game the other day, and uh, afterwards he talked about um, kind of investing a little bit in meditation. He talked about you know, looking more at footage, and when he was questioning, he's like, why am I not playing? Like, it's not very fair. They looked at the footage. He's like, oh, that's why I'm not playing. I see. And so to his credit, he is looking at the footage. He is trying to become a bigger, I guess, a a, a, a integral rotation piece for the Toronto Raptors and they need him to be that guy um granted last game it it came at the center position and I'm not sure how much center he's going to be playing because they have Ken when he's healthy he's going to be there they still want to do the the Pascal Siakam Scotty Barnes OG and Anobi that combo so how many minutes can he get at center I'm not sure but and it's, I guess it's just encouraging that he didn't and he wasn't uh, just hanging out of the three point line nonstop because he was shooting way too many threes over the course of this season. He just wasn't really you know, doing what he should be doing. And that is, you know, cutting, getting to the bucket. He's actually a pretty good finisher around the bucket, I guess, unlike Precious Achua. Chris does a good job. He's very agile down there. And uh, we saw it in the 905 too, that Chris, that's what Chris is putting up like 30 points and 15 rebounds every single game, because he can finish down there. He finds ways to do it. And to his credit, he is finding ways to help this team. I don't know what the future is for Chris Boucher. I'm not sure what his role will be once the Raptors are fully healthy, because again, it's just a lot of bodies there. You mentioned Yuta Watanabe. He has to play because he's too valuable. Those 20 minutes that he gives, he's giving you every single ounce of his body to help out the team and that is a, a skill that uh, not everyone has but a credit to him that he is starting to understand how he has to I guess consume his new role with the team as in he has to know that his role is this big as opposed to this big and he may not enjoy that fact but that is his reality yeah I mean is it a surprise that he just looked good as a five 
Isn't is that not what Chris Boucher is at this moment? And I think to your point, how many minutes is he really going to get there? Um, and, and I guess that depends on on Ken Birch and the knee swelling. But it, it's not yeah. a surprise. I'm so glad to not see him just hang around the perimeter. I know that he had a good three point shooting year last last year um but if you just like watch his shots he never made sense to me it never looked like a good shot it still doesn't look like a good shot and only difference is now it's breaking out so it doesn't look like a good shot to anybody um but he he was taking far too many and he he acknowledged that he acknowledged that he was just trying his hand at the three-pointer a little bit too much and forgot about the things that made him Chris, the things that made him Chris Boucher, the things that got him minutes in the past, which is his high energy, his ability to just, he, he's such a high energy player. And when you're just hanging mm-hmm. out around the perimeter, you're not actually just like leaking out and transition as quickly as you can. Well, I guess if it's in transition, he's going to be doing that, but you're just not, you know, attacking the boards or just getting in there. And he, he needs to do that. He kind of plays like a five. I think in today's NBA, he kind of is, but I guess with positionless basketball, a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Does it really matter? You're probably not going to love the minutes that he plays alongside another center like a Chris, like a Ken Birch. I don't think that that's going to be a, a positive thing, but playing alongside yeah. the Pascal Siakams and, and the other like long fours that the Raptors have, I think just like benefits him because you can theoretically slot him in at the five position. And as long as he doesn't overdo it with the threes and just try too much to, I think when he tries too much to be a great player and kind of be the star, like he kind of was, he was a bright, one bright spot last year. I think that's when he's overdoing it. But when he's cutting and making the right reads and just running, just high energy, just nonstop electric, that's when Chris Boucher is at his best. Yeah, you're absolutely right in all those. And this, again, this is role acceptance. This is saying, all right, I mean, Chris, we know you can do more and that's great, but this is, these are the three things that we need you to do really, really well, because that's how you're going to help us win. And their bench, if we talk plenty of surprises or the surprises that we've seen is, you know, them becoming just so, so much more steady is such an asset for the Toronto Raptors. Like it's, I mean, it's obvious Like you need a bench. They are one of the worst bench scoring teams in the NBA and they, the production from them has been really up and down and they just need it. Every team needs it. Um, Every playoff team needs it. And he is, he could potentially be a big part of that if he does indeed accept the role, even though it's probably a little bit less than he would like, but if he just nails his pillars, if he does, if he hits it out of the park, he's going to help them, that bench unit um, just really become steady and become their own version of just like, you know, their own little force. It's a little bench yeah. mob. Remember that? Yeah. Not the same kind, but a good bench mob. Um, Delano Banton. 
I, I mentioned him only because of uh, a, a scrum that he had today. And he talked, he was asked about uh, his relationship with Malachi Flynn. And as we all know, you know, 22 years old, 23 year old, both competing for the exact same position at the backup position for the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, we probably thought that, you know, heading into this draft, it was Scotty Barnes and awesome. Like, let's see whatever, whatever we get, we get after that. But, and Malachi Flynn was the backup point guard of the future or the future point guard. We all thought that then Delano Banton comes in and he has been everything and more for the Raptors organization. And it's hard not to envision him being part of this team for a long, long time. The Toronto connection is obvious, all that it's hard not to see it. And what he talked about was how close they are, um, how much Malachi has helped him acclimate to the NBA. He, he asked Malachi, he's like, how can I, you know, help this team right now? And Malachi very openly said that you just got to do the little things with this team and you got to do what's do what you're told. It's like, it may not be the things that you want to do similar to Chris Boucher, similar to a Chua, but you just have to hit what you're being asked to do out of the park. And you're going to be in a really good spot. Malachi Flynn doesn't have to give that information. Right. And I think this is a testament to his character on and off the court and him thinking about, you know, how am I going to be perceived by my peers when my career is done? Yeah. Okay. Like trades happen. And I'm sure Malachi has thought about this too, that his future with the Raptors may not be, you know, absolutely certain he may move on, but he is still an excellent player. He's going to have a tremendous NBA career. And it just, it just may not be with the Toronto Raptors. I'm not speculating. I'm just saying like, you know, the writing is, you're not going to have two backup point guards. It's kind of strange. Um, So to his credit, he has evaluated and thought about this, I'm sure. And he's like, you know what? It's, it's better if I am a good teammate, a good person, because that legacy is going to last a lot longer than um, one trade or a few years with the Raptors, how he's perceived by his peers. That's like, that's you, right? Just like you and I, how we're perceived by our people is really important. And so that's a credit to Malachi. Um, yeah. It. And just to add to that, I think that that's a credit to the Raptors continuity. Yeah. Um, and, and when I, what I mean by that is, this is the legacy of DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, even though they're gone, right? So it, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan were the vets for Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, who are the vets for the Scotties and the, and the, the Malachi Flynn's. They learned from them, right? And we, we saw this. Like, remember when Terrence Ross was drafted, that famous video, what about DeRozan? Like, DeMar <laughs> DeRozan still recognizing that Terrence Ross is drafted and playing the same position, took him under yeah. his wing in the same way, right? Kyle Lowry took Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet and DeLano and uh, DeLon Wright were close. And it's just like the continuation of the um, camaraderie that the team had. It's guys going to 905 games. How often do you see that around the league? And granted, for other teams, it's difficult because they're, so 905, cool. they're, they're 905 team. Their G League <laughs> team is in another city. Um, so that cool. might be a little bit difficult, but still something that DeMar DeRozan started here that we're still seeing guys continue to do. This is why continuity matters, even though DeMar and Kyle and all of these guys, Jonas Valanciunas, have all graduated to other teams. The camaraderie that they had and the culture that they set 
has been instilled in the next generation, which is Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet. And they're clearly instilling it in the next generation, which is the Malachi Flims and the Delano Bantins. This is why you don't make herky-jerky moves. This is why you keep a coach like Nick Nurse. This is why you keep Masai Ujiri. Well, there's tons of reasons why you keep Nick Nurse and Masai Ujiri. But it's also just the continuity that they bring and the stability that that brings to your franchise allows for moments like this to happen with your young guys. They're brought into a culture and they adapt to that culture. If it was the Sacramento Kings chaos, culture you probably don't have that um but when you have stability there and and a strong culture set new guys are going to adapt to that well said that's uh that's on the surprises front i'm going to move to some over under questions for Amon. um remember back in the day beginning of the season we were told that the raptors the over under was for them was for 37.5 wins this season i do seems seems kind of far-fetched right now uh, they're 11 and 13. If they were to go 500 the rest of the season, they would finish 40 and 42. So obviously, I think that's going to happen. So I'm going to ask you this. Will they finish with more or less wins than the number 43 over under? This is actually probably one of the tougher ones for me. Um, and only because beginning of the season, I would say yes. But what I've kind of been reminded as this season has gone on is how thin they are. I keep saying this, you have to wrap Fred Van Vliet in bubble wrap. You have to make sure that he's playing so many minutes right now. It's so scary, but any extended time with Fred Van Vliet out, or I think just like, like OG Ananobi is, is also just how long is he going to be out for? I think the Raptors have been able to kind of, sist- oh, they, they were struggling because they weren't really sustaining it, but we're kind of starting to see them play well. Yeah. It's because the Raptors are kind of deep on the wings, but with Fred specifically, I just think it's going to be really, really difficult. But you know what? I'm only going to put positivity into the universe. So in my uh, vision, Fred Van Vliet is healthy for 82 games <laughs> or whatever the remaining games are. I know he's missed them already. So if yeah. that is the case and I'm operating under the assumption that Fred and Pascal um, are going to be healthy and Ken Birch comes back soon, then I'm going to say yes, because I think that they're that good. Um but oh my gosh, if, if any, if Fred misses any time, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just so everyone's clear, uh, to get to 43 wins, they would have to go 33 and 25 for the rest of the season. Um, and they have, according to uh, strength of schedule, they have the 13th toughest. Now that can fluctuate, you know, what one team does well, that is currently below it, like kind of low on that, that totem pole. Then obviously that changes quite a bit, but probably they're around, you know, the middle portion of the NBA when it comes to the toughest schedule for uh, going forward. Um, I'm with you. I think they kind of get there again, December vibes, just positivity, Christmas. You got Christmas photos with the family today. I'm just all positivity at the moment. So I'm going to say they do get to uh, 43 wins and, you know, maybe they get a little bit more than that. How about that? Moving on. If to everybody's past- healthy, I'm going to say, yeah. I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. 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 That's more. true. If they don't get injuries to particular players, I think they'll get there. It's probably, yeah, probably the best way to put it. Pascal Siakam over under 23 points per game this season. Currently, he is at 19.1. His career high is 22.9, which was in uh, the 2019-2020 season. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? 23 points per game. Is he above it? Or kind of where it? he's at for the last three games or so. I was just looking. So when we're talking about yeah. the sort of uptick in the Raptors, part of that has come with um, Pascal. I think he's going to be very close. I think he's going to be around that 21 to 23 mark, somewhere around there. So if he misses it, I don't think it's going to be by a substantial margin. Um, but I think 23 is on the high end of that. So I think being conservative, I'd probably go under. Um, but 
I think he'll hit around his career mark. I think I'm with you on that. And just simply because I think the Raptors are a pretty good offensive team. I think they have got a lot of weapons and it would be, it's important that they give everyone a chance to eat their food. That's all right. Let's split this pie really nicely. Let's get everyone a piece of it. This coconut cream is really good. Everyone get your, your piece and enjoy it. And with that in mind, he is not going to be given, you know, a one possessions every single game. He will have his moments, but then Scotty's going to have his moments and then OG is going to have his moments. And then if a team's doing drop coverage, Hey, guess what? Red Van Lee's going to go off for 35 points. That's the reality. <laughs> you play to win the games. That's what they talk about. And because of that, I don't think he gets there, but I think he's going to be very efficient. And I do think he's going to have some great games against elite teams because I think that's what everyone's kind of waiting for. They want to see him do it against some really good teams. The Wizards are cool. The Kings are cool, but do it against one of the Eastern Conference, Western Conference elites. That's what we're, we're kind of looking for. I mean, some people, that's what probably get people off his back just a little bit. Um, Scotty Barnes is currently shooting 36%, 36% from three. Over his past three games, he's shooting 43%. So my question for you is, is he going to finish below or higher than 36% from three for the season? I'm going to say below. I'm, 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 I'm sad to be a bummer on this. But here's the thing. I don't think it's for it's going to be for a bad reason. I think it's going to be because he's going to be asked to take a lot more. <laughs> I think okay. Nick Nurse is going to say, keep shooting. Um, and as long as Nick Nurse says, keep shooting, and he's putting it up, because I, I would rather him take a ton and have a lower percentage than that, than him only take like one or two a game and yeah. average 6% from deep. So to me, it's like, okay, the, the shooting percentage, I hope that that improves over time. It's his rookie year. As long as he feels confident taking it and he continues to take it, um, and not in a Chris Boucher, I'm going to hijack every opportunity to take a three, but especially getting catch and shoot opportunities a lot. I think of it. we're going to see just a lot of opportunities for him where he's not, I guess I don't want him to force it too much. Like I don't want him like to like pull up and transition and, and take a three. I want him to continue to go down. I don't want yeah. him to like yeah. do too much off the dribble. I want it to really kind of be in motion, catch and shoot. If he's open in the corner for the ball swings to him, get it. Um, he's still not a good enough shooter that I think he can do that consistently and be over 36 if he is taking um, a heavy volume of them. And I would prefer the volume right now, at least. I, I hear you. I'm going to say that I think he does stay there, I think, because I think his mechanics are that much better. And because of that, I think a lot of his shots are going to be open. So I feel like he will get there. And, you know, over, again, last four games, 43%. The shot is kind of there, and I feel like as long as he's okay with shooting from multiple spots on the court, guys, you know, usually a lot of them like their corners, a lot of them like, you know, top of the key, some of the 45s, maybe not so much because a little bit deeper on the court, but if he's comfortable across the court and it seems like he is aspiring to be comfortable across the court, I think he could get there, and I think it would be a game changer for the Raptors offense because if you have that many guys with that kind of size that can shoot the three at that high of a clip, Hey, there we go. There we go. There we go. Finally, defensive rating over under top five. So I guess this would be the one where it would be opposite under over, but will the Raptors have a top five offense at the end of the season? Yes. You said offense, right? Sorry. Sorry. Defense. My bad. Okay, I was going to say offense. No. Apologies. So I, I, I really did struggle with this. Uh, only because once again, I know that I said they would get to 43 regardless of what, like I just, I, I, I mean, I, I, I put a caveat on there, but still, I think with defense is a little bit harder because going through it, I'm like, who are they going to knock off from the top five? 
right? Like, I think the Warriors are going to finish there. I think the, the Suns are going to finish there. I think the Jazz are going to finish there. Uh, who else do we have? Like, the but like, I just think it's going to be too hard to get in the top five, but I think they're going to be top 10. I think they're going to be around yeah. that six mark. Um, that's probably where I think they're going to fall just because those elite, elite teams, I think are going to continue to remain in that top five. And I don't know that the Raptors have enough to really knock them off. Um, but I think they're going to be a six, seven, um, just because the Raptors are too thin. And if anyone goes missing from their key guys, we saw just like how much Utah changes things. We saw how much Young changes things. Yeah. Um, and they're just too thin to, to maintain that. If everybody's healthy, maybe, but the chances that your whole entire roster is going to be healthy is very slim. So um, six, seven. Just to touch on some of the other teams, because I have the, the stats right in front of me. I'm on to mention a few of them. Other teams, Cavaliers, Clippers. Oh, I don't think yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going anywhere. They're gonna yeah. stay there. But like you said, I'm with you. Top uh, you know, top six to ten range, I think is very possible. And if they want to have any kind of success this season, they need to be in that area anyways. So. It's very difficult. I was going through it, uh, just looking at past seasons, teams that finish in the top 10. Um, defensively. So forget their offensive rating. That doesn't matter as much, but teams who finish in the top 10 defensively almost always make the playoffs. It's very rare instances where a team is a top 10 defense that misses the playoffs. And I think that that really does bode well for the Raptors. One of the rare times was last year, the Warriors, when they lost the, in the play-in. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it happens, but it is fairly rare. Teams that finish in the top 10 make the playoffs more often than not. Let's see you guys do it. As we wrap up the podcast, the Raptors, they face OKC tomorrow. Shea is back. Yay. Uh, the OKC Thunder over the past three games and Shea, Jodas Alexander, actually. Um, three games ago, he had 39 points. Then OKC lost 152 to 79. <laughs> then last game, Shea had 30 points. So he's on a bit of a run since he came back. And he lost when the Toronto Raptors. You guys remember last time he faced them? It was in Toronto, rather. It was way back in 2020. Remember that time before a pandemic happened? Um, 32 points. He had like 32 points. He had a game winner, I believe. That was when Chris Paul was on the team. Seven. He was dominant, like from every which way. And obviously, OKC is much better when, when he's on the court. I am curious what you're watching, um, or what you're watching for in this game that's coming up tomorrow. That we hope the Raptors win by 40. Are the Thunder even a real team? Good question. That's I actually a better once start. You lose yeah. By 70 points, yeah. you should not no longer be a team. That is yeah. like I'm <laughs> not, sorry to not answer your question at all, but can we discuss like if you looked at a score and you saw a team finish in the 70s, you'd be like, oh, it's probably a slog fest. Like, you know what I mean? Like probably like a really slow paced yeah, game. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, find yeah, out another team yeah. scores 150. <laughs> what i don't even i don't even think we should spend our valuable time talking about the oklahoma city thunder what i'm looking for is shea gilders alexander um because i love it and i think that he should be left in canada i don't think he should go back yeah man just just stick here man just just stay right just just stay there were so many conversations in the summer about like Shea might be a little bit too old for their rebuild. And I was like, how is a 23 year old too old for a rebuild? Yo, Sam Cross is wild for that. He's wild. <laughs> 23 is too old. He didn't say that, but that was like know, some like, of the, that was, yeah, that was out there. The and I thought that was the most ludicrous thought ever. But then a team loses by 70, and I'm like, oh yeah. Like if you were older than 12, you yeah. might be too old for their rebuild. Like what are the Thunder even doing? Why? 
don't know if I said this, but Shay didn't play in that game. So we should keep that in mind. That probably yeah, she did not play. Have lost that. Oh, I thought I mentioned that. Yeah, no. Shay, Shay Gilgis yeah. Alexander did not play in that game. Um, but yeah. Ew. Exactly. I'm curious if they put Lou Dort on Fred. I think that's been a thing. Teams are doing that. They're putting some of their best, uh, more athletic wings on uh, on Fred. And that could be something that we see. But as we talked about, if you don't have a big player and they don't really have a big player, uh, Pascal Siakam tends to burn you. So Jeremiah Robinson Earl, what a name, is 6'8". Darius Baisley is 6'8". Uh, Mike Muscala is, I think, the tallest player at 6'10". So... Yeah, like they don't really have someone to, to guard him, and uh, that's going to be a problem for them. But this could be the Paul Watson revenge game. Who knows? Who knows? I'm so sorry that Paul Watson was subjected to losing by 70 points. It's unfortunate. Poor guy. He's not playing too much right now, but Honestly, I mean, you probably like, you have to be the Thunder. Like, I just, that is, that is, just be yeah. the That the Sixers in the process years couldn't even muster up uh, a loss that badly. So. Actually, is there a is there an over under already uh, set up, or is there a spread? Let me just check. Let me just check. No, there is. I'm, curious I'm like so scared to do anything with that because who knows what this match You want to be like a five point game in the fourth? You're like, why? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. This is this is a scheduled win, if so to speak. Um, that's what we should see tomorrow. I hope that they come out and they come out with the intent and focus that we have been accustomed to over the past three games. I know it's a sh- small sample size, but if you if they're going to play defense, they're going to win this game. They should win it handedly so Aman, any closing thoughts or shall i let you uh get back to whatever day it is tuesday uh nothing for me that's it it looks like nighttime outside it's so surprising that's i know that's, it's, it's uh, we just need Raptors to win to, to cheer up our moods a little bit i can't believe it's 5 30 and it's so dark outside anyways um everyone thank you for listening to myself and Aman on our podcast Aman, what is uh what is your twitter handle at nope name. There you go. You can find me at Amit underscore man, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.